American Public Media, this is Educate, a podcast from APM Reports. I'm Stephen Smith. One of the persistent challenges in higher education is how to teach students in such a way that what they learn sticks. One thing that helps is to make sure that they stay engaged in the classroom. Research shows that when students are bored or overwhelmed in class, they don't do well. That stands to reason. Research also shows that the time-honored college lecture is often a pretty poor teaching method. So there's been a growing movement at American colleges and universities to shift from conventional lecture halls to what are called active learning classrooms. Today on the podcast, we'll visit two of them. This course is Foundations of Biology at the University of Minnesota, Brunix Hall, room 114, 8 a.m. It's the second day of class. What we're going to do first is a round-the-table review of the child bed case. Uh, we're going to then talk briefly about uh, team and pod uh, roles. Actually, no, I'm going to switch that around. I'm going to do that first. It's a big modern then room, no table. windows. Ninety students sit at round tables. Um, Each table has a microphone and computer plug-ins. Nearby is a whiteboard and a big video screen. In the center of the room is a lectern and a control panel. That's where biology professor David Mathis stands, his laptop at the ready, a wireless mic clipped to his orange and red tie-dyed T-shirt. He describes how the class will work. I'm just going to explain to you the why of this. Um, team-based learning tries to harvest the, the value of the diversity of opinions that you get with a team of nine, and it has the advantage of allowing you to work in small groups too, the, meaning two or three people, who you have developed some long-term relationship with because in this class you stick with the same team for the entire semester. The students at each table, in each team, will take turns over the semester filling different roles. There's a group manager to keep things organized, an analyst who makes sure everyone contributes, and a reporter who uses a microphone at the table to tell the rest of the class about their findings. When there's silence at the team, it's it's up to the reporter to chime in. And if the team really has no idea... The reporter can put it out of its misery and say, you know what, we don't know. And that's okay. There's no dishonor in that. The questions are going to be hard sometimes. The University of Minnesota is a national leader in adopting active learning classrooms, or ALCs. Professor Mathis has been using one for a decade now, and he says he'd never go back. He doesn't lecture. To prepare, students do reading or watch videos in advance. Class time is for team-based activities. And the students are spending most of their time doing things rather than listening um, and taking notes there. They're doing activities. They're um, annotating DNA sequences. They're solving problems in ecology or evolution. Mathis wants his students to struggle a bit. He says struggle can lead to real learning. And so what we're getting in, in class is we are asking them to do more cognitively challenging things. Critical thinking, really. Um, doing stuff. And that is hard, and yet that's what they need our support to do, and that's what they need their peer support to do. And by them doing it, it actually sticks. They, they learn it and can do it to a much greater degree than in a lecture-based class. What we're just doing is just like a little recap of the childbed fever case study. The, point the child bed fever case study dates from the 1840s. That, it involves the spread of deadly germs in an Austrian maternity ward. The head doctor discovered that when doctors and midwives washed their hands with a chlorine solution, women giving birth died far less often from what was thought to be childbed fever. Okay, so now back to you to think about, talk about with your team. 
Conclusions that can be drawn from this experiment. I have 10 minutes. One objective of this exercise is to consider how 19th century scientists thought, what they knew and what they didn't. The team at table 12 starts kicking around ideas. Did they even like know what germs were? I don't know if they knew exactly what germs were, but I do think that they knew that like something that we can't see that's in the blood is causing this illness. Could be germs, it could be demons. I don't know. I think it's a little less than 10, 10 minutes, but I think you're probably ready for this. So let's go to team seven. Professor Mathis asks what can be concluded from the case study? Um, that hand washing is uh, effective <coughs> to drop mortality rate. And, any more detail? Um, also that cross-contamination between patients is probably a cause for the spread of fever. Okay. So you're saying hand washing is important in this hospital? It goes on like this for the rest of the morning's biology class. The teams respond to prompts on the video screens and report back to the rest of the room, with Professor Mathis guiding the work. Open it up to other teams. I'm going to add to that list of possible Research supports the claim that active learning classrooms are generally more effective for student learning than lecture halls. Christopher Brooks is research director at Educause, a nonprofit whose mission is to advance higher education through the use of information technology. Brooks helped conduct a study at the University of Minnesota where the same course with the same instructor was offered in a lecture hall and in an active learning classroom. Then students took the same test. We found that the students in the active learning spaces earned about five percentage points on average more on their final grade than the students in the traditional classroom. So about the equivalent of a grade, grade and a half. Another study found that students in a traditional lecture course were one and a half times more likely to fail than those in an active learning class. Brooks says that in an ALC, the teacher tends to circulate through the room so that the professor can basically get to everyone in the classroom. And when you do that, there's the opportunity for uh, that one-on-one or one-on-small-group uh, discussion where, where the, the professor is humanized, is kind of literally as well as uh, figuratively brought down to their level uh, to have those kinds of conversations rather than talking at them from, from above. I heard one team talking about, well, the midwife still has some people dying, right, of childbed fever. And in this particular thing, what you notice is that everyone was required to wash their hands. It was across the board. Over the span of two hours, Professor Mathis spends part of his time at the central podium running the video screens, and part of the time walking the classroom. Sophomore Sarah Copeland likes the active learning approach. You don't really see a lot of these classes in college, especially in the STEM field. A lot of them are like lecture-based, and then you go to lab, and then you do stuff in lab. And it sometimes correlates, but not always, which is a little tricky to really make that material stick. So I like this format because it really helps integrate that material, and it feels useful. Samarth Saini is also a sophomore. I'm kind of just blown away by how many other ideas like are popping out because... You know, I get a couple on my own, and then, you know, all the other group members, there's just so many more ideas that come out, and it's, like, it's really nice to collaborate with other people in that way. Do you think that the activity around the table is genuine? Does it feel forced at times? I mean, sometimes it feels a little forced, but it feels forced at the beginning, and then people really get into it, and we really start talking and sharing ideas, and that's when all, like, the best stuff comes out.
The movement for active learning classrooms began in the 1990s. Since then, many schools have created teaching centers that encourage professors to try the technique and to help them develop course materials. Other profs come to active learning on their own. They want to better engage their students. It's not clear how many ALCs there are now across the country. Experts say they remain a minority compared to conventional lecture halls. Educause reports that nearly two-thirds of colleges and universities plan to start using ALCs. The most basic rooms feature just movable tables and whiteboards. The more tech-driven classrooms have the video screens, the computers, and the like. The more high-tech they are, the more they cost. In many classes, students do the reading ahead of time, take a quiz online, and then dive into group exercises. We can see what's in their head because we ask them to show us. Tracy Bergwell runs the Active Learning Initiative at Indiana University. And what's really important is once we know what's in their head, once we know what they're doing, once we can listen in on those conversations as they're engaging in group work, um, we can also, as instructors, give appropriate feedback. Maybe slow the lesson down if, if folks don't really know what's going on. Uh, speed up if, if everyone's past a point. Active learning techniques can be used in a traditional lecture hall, but Birdwell says rooms with movable tables and whiteboards work best. The physical space supports the teaching method. And while some profs may be naturals at using these rooms, it takes effort. I'll be honest, it is actually an uncomfortable way to teach at first. Again, University of Minnesota biology professor David Mathis. Because instead of delivering, standing and delivering your 50 slides or your yellowed notes, you know, on the board or whatever we people do, um, you need to open it up to any questions, you know, or what are some ideas for how this might work? And you have to be able to take whatever comes your way. So there's a lot more improv going on in an active learning classroom, as well as a lot of work ahead of time to set up conditions for ideal learning. And that means you have to actually think a little bit about how people learn. Look, there's so much out there right now that creates a sense that people are different, right? It doesn't have to be about a war. At California State University, Long Beach, Professor Nancy Kwam Wickham teaches an American history course in an active learning classroom with a half dozen tables and video screens. Her approach is a mix of careful planning and spontaneous improv. This evening, her students are studying an unusual set of cartoons that movie audiences saw during World War II. In an effort to boost home front morale, such luminaries as Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny, and Daffy Duck did their part for the war effort. So Porky Pig shows up on screen as a foot soldier, Bugs Bunny does a turn mimicking Adolf Hitler. Daffy Duck is an airborne commando. Mr. Smith! A whole mess of Mr. Smith! Now, each of these films is a form of propaganda. They were developed to encourage Americans to join the war effort. Professor Kwam Wickham stands at a control station in the middle of the classroom. There are a half dozen students at each table, and each group selects a cartoon to study. But I want you to completely dissect this. It's a primary source. The president orders all-out tests of defense strength. 
The mighty armed forces of the nation respond to the president's command. At one of the tables, students are watching a cartoon in which enemy bombers threaten New York City. They jot down notes on the erasable surface of the table. Supposing one day a fleet of enemy bombers suddenly appeared over the horizon. Where are our defenses? Why isn't something being done? Just then, the Statue of Liberty comes to life and calmly blows the bombers from the sky with insect spray. The students at the table dig into the symbolism. All right, let's go. Let's go like this. Dissect more of like certain details. Just basically use a bug bug spray on them, like they're trying to show them they're like they're bugs. Wasn't no. like chlorine gas and stuff? Like, that was in World War. One. No, that, that was World War One. one. Yeah, the Geneva Convention was, happened. You know, yeah. Yeah. So is this like a joke? So is there any other gas? So was this like some? Students no, at Cal State Long Beach have to take an American history class in order to graduate. Quam Wickham used to teach classes like this the old-fashioned way, lecturing to rows of students in a big hall. Her audience was clearly unengaged at times. I once watched a student surreptitiously watch a Dodgers baseball game on his laptop sitting in the back of a class. She realized that many high school history teachers were already using so-called active learning techniques. Once in college, students from those classes were not going to want to come to university and sit in a lecture hall and listen to somebody talk at them two or three times a week for 16 weeks. And then she says there are the students, a lot of them, who recoil from history because it was not taught in an interesting way. A lot of them have been in high school and middle school classrooms where history is the memorization of names and dates. It's a passive activity, and it's an activity that they don't relate our history to the things that are going on in their lives. And students at Cal State Long Beach have a lot going on in their lives. Quam Wickham did a survey of history majors and found that 16% were food insecure, nearly a quarter had unstable housing arrangements, and most were also working at jobs 30 hours a week or more. 5% of the students were homeless. And many are also first-generation college students who came from poorly performing high schools. They get here, they're smart, they don't know how to do college. We have students who grew up in households where people literally didn't have pencils and papers or any books. So they can't go home and ask somebody how to do an assignment. Researchers found that active learning classrooms also help students from underrepresented groups do better, both in and out of class. Once again, Tracy Birdwell from Indiana University. There's a greater sense of community and belonging associated with being able to speak with others, to learn with others, to succeed and maybe fail with others, you know, in, in small ways when you're engaging in active learning activities. Students who might get lost along the way for a variety of reasons, maybe feel like they belong a bit more. But ALCs aren't great for everyone. It can be a challenge for students who speak English as a second language or who have attention or social anxiety issues. But Nancy Kwan Wickham's history classes are a hit with most students. Lena Karyu took Kwam Wickham's class the previous semester. She's a business marketing major. I was actually kind of dreading taking the class. I've never been a big history fan, but I actually learned so much in the class, more than I've learned throughout my history classes in high school, middle school. One reason, Karyu says, is that she had to give presentations to the class, which meant absorbing the material more deeply. Kwam Wickham also has students write papers or do projects. There were no exams in that class, which 
benefited me because I have a hard time memorizing things, but I still ended up um, remembering so much in the way she taught. When 38-year-old Amanda Gates decided to change careers and become a high school history teacher, she had to go back to college to get an American history credit. Gates hated what she calls the chalk-and-talk lectures back when she was in high school, so she was delighted by the methods used in Nancy Kwam Wickham's class. Now she's using some of those active learning techniques from Cal State Long Beach in her own classroom, and she says the learning tends to stick. Because you constructed it yourself, as opposed to somebody just telling you that you should remember X, Y, and Z. The evidence shows that active learning in the classroom is really important for students of all ages and that our brains tend to hold on to those things which we work on and create for ourselves. Professor Nancy Kwam Wickham says the group work teaches the kind of research and collaboration skills that many employers look for today. And she hopes students will walk away actually liking or at least not hating history. Like tonight, I don't have any, I don't have any history majors in my class. Last semester out of 45, I had one. And this is, this is the one shot. This is the only history class most of them will ever take. Nancy Kwam Wickham hopes that if all goes well, the increased engagement that students find in her active learning classroom may lure some of them back for another shot of history next semester. That's it for this episode. Tell us what you think. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Educate Podcast, one word. Or you can send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. Alex Baumhart and Chris Julin produced the podcast with help from John Hernandez and Sabi Robinson. This episode was edited by Catherine Winter and mixed by Veronica Rodriguez. We partner with The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. <laughs>